I didn't even know anyone else was here. I was just all caught up in worship. <laughs> if you have your Bible, turn with me to Genesis chapter 3. I just, sometimes when you're just in the presence of God and, and you seek his face, like Jasmine was saying, when we seek his kingdom, he just begins to impress upon you certain things, you know. And as we were worshiping, I just, man, I was just so caught up in how good he is. <clears throat> and I was reminded of what I was reading earlier in this week in my devotions. And, you know, and when I do my devotions, I don't, I don't like to, to keep anything around me except my Bible and my journal because I, I really want to focus in on the words, you know. Sometimes I, I get tempted to, to study everything and to look up every word and to find out the context and to see what other cross passages, cross links there are and, and all that stuff. But, so I try to keep it simple. And I was reading this <clears throat> about Eve and the garden in chapter 3. And I'm just going to just share with you what I was just feeling this morning in reference to as why I was praising God so much. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say? Now at this moment, you have to just take a step back and try to imagine what is happening. Eve and Adam are in this beautiful garden. God has established it for them. And he says, you can have anything you want. Just don't eat from the tree of good and evil, the knowledge of good and evil. You can have everything you want, but just don't eat from this tree. And isn't it like us that always want the thing we can't want? You know, it's just like when you, you walk by a sign. I remember years ago when we were doing some construction downstairs and I had a sign on the the door says, keep out. The only thing James wanted to do was go in. It's just the way we are. It's just the way we are. We just, we just want to see what's beyond what is told we can't do. And here, God, if you, th if you think about this, he just established this beautiful garden. All this great stuff is there. And God says, just listen, all of it's yours. Just don't eat from this tree. And here comes this serpent. Here comes this monster and and you know I did later go back and look up some of the stuff some of the wording and and you know this idea of this, this monster that came from the sea this serpent that came and it begins to speak now to us this is strange to us this is the part of the movie where we run because here is this wild animal and he begins to speak and, and I think this is just so important to know the heart of Satan. To know what really drives him. Did God really say? As I study different subjects and just researching and just doing my due diligence to, to educate myself in the things that are going on in this world, I cannot help but run across all of the new age stuff that is coming into our world. It's, it's almost like I read a book called The Second Coming of the New Age. It's like a, a, a new whirlwind has been birthed into our society where people are willing to believe anything. And that's really the, the heart of a new age movement. And, 
And I don't know why we call it New Age because it's been around since the time of Jesus called Gnosticism. It's called just enlightening yourself and you save yourself because of the divine spark that's inside of us. And when, when all of a sudden we realize the truth, we become God ourselves. I was reading a book called Sapiens, horrible book. It was all talking about the evolution of mankind from bacteria to monkey and and he basically says that, that uh, and I read these books so you don't have to, but he basically says that, that, that humans are no different than animals, that we are just basically an animal creature and we can do whatever we want because everything that we believe in is a myth. Everything that we were taught was a myth. And, and I'm just getting through this book and I just, well, I'm going to finish it, you know. And, and, I, and, and I'm glad I did because at the very end he says this, what are we going to do in our future? What are we going to do as gods? To this earth. Once again, you see this new age belief that everyone has this divinity inside of us. Now, there is truth that we have divinity inside of us. It's called Jesus Christ. He lives in us. He is, he is a part of us. He is, he is inside of us, and he put his spirit inside of us as a marker, as a guarantee, a deposit of what is to come. We are children of the king. We are not God. We are not God. We serve the mighty God. We love the mighty God. We seek the mighty God, but we are not God. And so the serpent comes, and he's trying to, first of all, corrupt the truth that has been spoken. You see, God, as we learn in Numbers, is not a man that he should lie. He's God. He doesn't misspeak. And what he says, it will happen. And I want you to know this, that you can hold on to every single promise he has spoken because when he speaks it, it will never fail. I don't care how dark, I don't care how long, I don't care how impossible it is, that's when God moves. And yet the devil comes to try to tell us and to deceive us. And he says, did God really say, and he spoke this to the woman, you must not eat any tree in the garden and the woman said to the serpent you may eat the fruit of the trees in the garden but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden you must not touch it or you will die and listen how the serpent responded to her you will not certainly die it just bothers me so much how we and I'm just speaking generally, have bought into the lies of our enemy who is constantly lying to us, constantly telling us that we're not children of the king, that we're not cared for, that he'll never move on our behalf. He'll never open those doors. He lies all the time, and yet we tend to listen to those things. We listen to those things. But when you hear truth, when you hear truth, you must hold on to it and you must strive to keep it near to your heart because truth is truth. I remember my father, you know, he would always wake me up early to do things around the house. And uh, as a kid, I always wanted to stay up late. And you know, the, the good old advice from my dad, nothing good happens after midnight, son. 
Nothing good happens after midnight. I got a text from my son Tony the other day. He said, Dad, check this out. And it was this little toaster oven, but it was like one of those disc ones and the, the heat is right above it and it spins and all this. And he said, Dad, this is cool, man. I can make pizza. I, I can make wings, Dad. This is nice. And I saw he sent it at 12.10. And I said, son, nothing good happens after midnight when you shop on Amazon. <laughs> he was looking on Amazon. <laughs> nothing good. And that's truth. Nothing good happens. Back in our day, we used to order those things that were always 1995. Remember those infomercials? We used to stay up late, and all of a sudden, we got Ginsu knives. Who needs Ginsu knives? We need Ginsu knives. Satan said, you will certainly not die. No. He said this to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. This lie is so embedded in our society. I listen to people speak, and I listen to people who are not Christians. I listen to people who say things, and just like this book that I read, The Sapiens calls us gods. And what is pretty ironic when it comes to New Age philosophy is that everything is acceptable. Everyone's version of truth is okay. You can, you can believe Buddha and Hinduism. You can believe all these things. All the truths that you discover, they're good, except for one. His name is Jesus Christ. Because there is this lie that Satan wants us to believe, that if we disobey God, something good is going to happen. That if we follow our own desires, that we will be like God. Now I think it's funny that Satan is trying to do to us what he did himself when he stood before God and looked at how beautiful he was and said in the pride of his heart, I am God. Look at me. He tried to take the throne over and God said, get out. You are not me. And yet he tries to do that for us as well. And so you know what happened, Eve and Adam sinned, and, and then God began to go through these curses, and this is what really struck me as I was reading this. It says, cursed you, and this is God telling the serpent, cursed you, cursed are you above all the livestock, verse 14. Cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You crawl on your belly, and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity or hostility between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head and he will strike as you will strike his heel. And I read verse 15 and I just had to just take a step back. And I thought and I began to think about this verse. And I asked myself, what offspring? Because God clearly told the serpent that I was going to put hostility between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. And I started to think, I know her offspring because it's Cain and it's Abel and it's Seth and all the multitude of other children that she had as they lived 900 and something years. I understand that offspring 
But what is he talking about when he says, your offspring and hers? Clearly God knows that there will be a reproduction of this creature, this enemy that we have. And isn't it ironic that Jesus tells us to think about him quite often, our Father in heaven, Praise be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and give us today our daily bread. Forgive me of my sins as I forgive those who sin against me. Lead me not into temptation and deliver me from the evil one. Because there is an offspring that has been birthed in our culture, in our world. It is a kingdom of darkness, and it is real. That's why Paul says our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against those things the principalities of the air, the darkness. And God said that there would be hostility between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. And I think this makes a whole lot of sense when we begin to understand Jesus and John when he's talking to the multitude of his disciples. And a lot of them left him. And he said this, he said that you are like your father who lies. You see, we know that Satan is the father of lies. Jesus didn't say that he was a, a liar. Jesus didn't say that he was the sole individual who lies. He says, no, you are like your father who lies. What is a father? A father is someone who has offsprings, someone that reproduces, someone that gives birth through the woman, a father offspring and this began to make me think that we are living in a society in a time right now where everything seems to be physical we understand how life works we understand how the sun and the moon work we understand how income works we understand how medicine works we understand all these things at least we think we do begin if we don't figure it out if we don't have those home remedies you know when Years ago, when people would catch the flu, they would go and they would take goose grease and they would rub it all over themselves and they would lock themselves in, in a room and, and a few days later, after they sweated to death, they came out and they were better. But not a lot of us are packing goose grease in our house anymore like they used to do back at the turn of the 20th century. And so if we're sick, we run to a doctor, we run to the medicine cabinet. If we have a problems, we call a therapist. If we have a question, we ask a teacher. But do we understand that there is a kingdom that we have availability to right now? Second Peter says this, Second Peter 3, says his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who has called us by his glory and goodness. And through these, he has given us this very great and precious promises so that through them we may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in this world caused by evil desires. I want you just to begin as I try to bring this into a focus here. Here Satan deceives the woman and the man and says, listen, you can be just like God. 
How many times has that lie been repeated over and over again where now we have a, a movement of this new age movement that believes they are God themselves? How many false religions believe that they are God themselves? I was talking to some people that came to my house and I finally had, I just asked them, I said, you believe you're going to be a God one day? And, and they're like, no, no, no. I said, no, no, you believe it, don't you? And one of them said, yeah, we believe we're going to be a God one day. This lie has been repeated over and over again. Why? Because when we are the standard Standard, everything is good when we are God of our life and I'm saying lower G when we are God of our life everything is good there is no truth there is no absolutes I can do whatever I want and I'm okay but when we recognize that Jesus Christ is Lord all knees have to bow to him all abilities and authorities come under his reign and we recognize that he is the way the truth and the life and no one can go to the father except through him even though I'm good even though I I take care of my neighbors even though I'm I'm not committing crimes there is something about Jesus that this world hates and there's something about Jesus that this world despises why do you think Hollywood loves to use his name as a curse why do you think they like to belittle Christianity because it's Jesus and because he knows and I'm talking Satan knows that his name is still the authority of this world of this universe he is above all things his name is above all names and what I want us to understand is this that there is a hostility between his kingdom and our kingdom there is a hostility between his offspring and the seed of Christ that has saved us we are always at war with the kingdom he doesn't take a day off he doesn't look at the calendar say well we're moving into the Christmas season I'll just let up for a little bit and just let them live their lives. And then at the beginning of the New Year's, we'll go back at it. No, there is no stop in this hostility. He hates you. He hates you. And he is trying to convince you that this world is it. That your life, your job, your health, your problems, this is it. But I tell you, no. Because first, Second Peter says his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Through the knowledge of him. Why is it so important to have knowledge of him? Because he is truth. Jesus is truth. Remember Pilate says, what is truth? Jesus didn't respond to Pilate's question. Why? Because he was standing in front of Pilate. I could just almost see Jesus smiling at Pilate. Saying, you're looking at him. I am truth. I am truth. Through the knowledge of him who has called us by his godly goodness, through these he has given us his very great and precious promises. Don't ever stop believing the promises of God. As Jasmine opened up this morning, when we seek him and his kingdom first, what does he promise? What does he tell us? What does he say? That all these things will be added to. Don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink. Don't worry about those things. People who don't serve a God who can supply those things worry about that, but not us because we are part of a kingdom of God and his promises will never fail us so that though we may participate in the divine nature, not the earthly nature, but the kingdom of God. I want you to know that Peter tells us that this world is not our home, that we are just a bunch of aliens going through this land. 
This is just a temporary place for us because our kingdom, our lifestyle, our lives, our livelihood are all invested in the divine nature. We are are part of the divine nature. And that is why we do not have to operate by the rules of this world. Now, I'm asking you to be good citizens. I'm asking you to obey the law. You don't have to live by the laws of this world. Why do you think when Jesus said, bind anything on earth and it will be bound in heaven, loose in heaven, it will be loosed on earth. Why do you think Jesus says that the kingdom of God is here? Because he's in us. And by the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in us, the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead, we are now a part of the kingdom of God. We do not have to walk in this world subjected to the ways of this world. We have been saved from the corruption of this world through Jesus. And that means that we have been given the right to participate in his kingdom now. I can't wait to go to heaven. I can't wait for that big old pearly gate to open. I can't wait for those angels dusting the road as I walk in. Hey, I'm here. And Peter slaps him up the head. Quiet. Jesus over there. Okay, okay. You know, and I go in heaven and I see Jesus and I look and I say, whoa. And I bow down at his feet and I take all my rewards, my I take all those crowns that I have and I just lay them at the feet of Jesus. And I say, you were worth it all. But see, I don't have to wait to heaven to experience that. Even as I was getting ready this morning, I was just getting my tie on and getting my shoes on. It just overwhelmed me that he's here as we were worshiping today and, and you know and I went old school today my wife opened up the books and said give thanks really I said yeah I said we're going there we're going there I mean you're worshiping songs that are in King James version I mean come on but his presence was here I don't have to convince you I don't have to just try to make you believe it you know it His presence is here. We don't have to wait to go to heaven to experience his kingdom here. His kingdom is here. He's in us. Even though we live in a world where the God of this age has blinded those, we live in a world where Satan is doing everything he can to destroy us, we are not a part of his citizenship. And every place that I step my foot, the kingdom of God is there. And so when you step into that hospital room, the kingdom of God is there. When you open up your checkbook, the kingdom of God is there. When you look at the person who just is giving you such a hard time, you better know that the kingdom of God is there and it is going to move on your behalf. Today, we have been given the right to participate in the divine nature and we hold on to those promises And we are not a part of this world. We are a part of his kingdom. And God will move on behalf of his citizens, his family, his child, you.
And so let's live like that. Let's act like that. Let's be that children of the kingdom. Because back in the garden, when he gave a lie to Eve and she bought it, God says, I'm going to put hostility between your kingdom and mine. And I'm going to send my son and he's going to crush you. You may bruise him, but he's going to crush you. And because Jesus Christ has come, he says, now you have the right to be a part of the kingdom of God. I read that just, just the other day. Friday, I read that. John 1, that I have been given the right, the privilege to be a child of God because I believe in the seed. I believe in the son. I believe in Jesus. So let's live that way. Let's act that way. Let's believe that way. And even though you may be overwhelmed by the things of this world, there is someone who is in control of everything. And so let's participate and let's be people. Because I tell you, we got a job to do, people. We got a community to change. We got families to be restored. Salvations that need Jesus. We live in, in a time where they need us the most. They just don't know it yet. And so let's take this place for Jesus. Let's restore our homes under the kingship of Christ. And let us see a great revival as we participate and walk in the kingdom of God and tell others about how good he is. Amen.